welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Well, you've seen the same little video clip each Sunday during this series, hopefully driving those qualities that are a part of the fruit of the Spirit deeper and deeper into our hearts and into our lives. Uh, We are continuing the series today with a particular focus on the quality of faithfulness. Uh, When we focus on the incarnation, uh, Jesus becoming human, uh, we typically go to a variety of texts in the gospel. Sometimes we go to Philippians chapter 2. This morning, I want you to hear words from the book of Hebrews. As the writer talks about the suffering and the death of Jesus, as he talks about the faithfulness of Jesus, he says, it is for this reason that he had to be made like them, like us, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. A couple of chapters later, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's uh, God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And one other paragraph from chapter 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me invite you to join with me for just a few seconds of silence, reflecting upon God's faithfulness in our lives. And so if you'd bow in silence, and then I'll close us in this moment of silence and prayer. Let's bow together. God, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, you are a faithful God. And God, my prayer this morning as we continue to reflect on the fruit of the Spirit, my prayer is that we are so submissive to the Spirit in our lives that all kinds of space is created for the Spirit to grow faithfulness in our lives. God, may we pour out abundantly faithfulness, not only in our relationship with you, but as we interact with one another, as we interact with people day after day. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.
Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and today, faithfulness. Uh, We've emphasized throughout the series that the fruit of the Spirit is this beautiful, multifaceted fruit, nine qualities, but nine qualities that are so interconnected that cannot be separated from one another. I hope you notice in particular today the close connection between faithfulness and love, the close connection between faithfulness and patience with one another, the close connection between faithfulness and kindness toward one another. In fact, several words that we will talk about this morning where there are such close connections, obviously a close connection between the word faith and the word faithfulness. I've often made the observation that the word faith communicates the idea of trust. Faith is more than simply believing. Faith is placing our absolute trust, our absolute confidence in the object of our faith as Christians placing our absolute trust in God. And then the word faithfulness on the front end today, may I suggest that the word faithfulness communicates the idea of dependability. In fact, the Greek word that is most often translated faithfulness in our English New Testaments could just as easily be translated dependability. One who is faithful is one who is dependable. One who is faithful is one who keeps his or her promises. Thus, the close connection between that word promise and this idea of faithfulness. I will honor my promises Promises to my God, promises to my spouse, promises to my children, to my parents, to my friends, to my church family. I will honor my commitments. I will be faithful. I will endure. I will not give up. I will trust. I will be faithful. You can count on me. But again, not from a checklist vantage point, from the vantage point of understanding the power of submitting our lives to the Spirit of God so that The Spirit can grow faithfulness in abundance in our hearts and in our lives. As with all of these qualities that we've talked about this summer, faithfulness is rooted in the very character of God. Our God is a faithful God. Let me tie together again the word promise and the word faithfulness as it relates to God. Go back to the book of Genesis, stories that we know well. We are created in the very image of God, created for relationship with God, and yet we know that sin broke that relationship. In fact, in the book of Genesis, four stories that remind us of the heartache that sin brings, that reminds us of the consequences that sin brings. The story of Adam and Eve, the story of Cain murdering his brother Abel, the story of Noah and the flood, the story of the Tower of Babel. Each of those stories reminds us of the harsh consequences of sin. But the good news, and I hope we hear the good news every time we read those stories in Genesis, the good news is in each of those stories, God stepped back in. God stepped back in to extend grace. God did not give up on us. He stepped back in and extended grace. He extended promises. We see that in very powerful ways in the promises that he made to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah passed childbearing age, and yet God promises that they will have a son in their old age. And beyond Isaac being born to them in their old age, God tells Abraham and Sarah, through your descendants, all humanity 
will be blessed, that the chaos created by sin would be undone, that the brokenness and the alienation created by sin would not be the end of the story, that ultimately through the Messiah we would experience redemption and reconciliation. God made promises, and God keeps his promises. God is a faithful God honoring the promises he made. In fact, one of the best definitions of the word gospel, in my judgment, that beautiful little word that literally means good news, one of the best definitions of the word gospel is rooted in the book of Romans where Paul talks about the faithfulness of God. And so we might define the word gospel this way when we're reading Romans, that God has fulfilled his promises in Jesus. Even beyond that, he's fulfilled his promises by raising Jesus from the dead, declaring him to be king of the universe, and inviting us to step back into relationship with him. And it's that faithfulness of God that encourages us, that prompts us to be people of faith, to be people of faithfulness, to pour out faithfulness toward him and toward others. One of the phrases I read from Hebrews encourages us to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Another phrase, to hold unswervingly to the faith that we profess. Because the one who promised, the Hebrews writer says, is faithful. God is a faithful God. And so we'll sing a bit later in the assembly, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed Thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And so we see the faithfulness of God unfold throughout Scripture. And we see the faithfulness of God in the incarnation. In fact, I love the way the writer of Hebrews describes the incarnation in order for God to fully identify with us, to identify with our humanity, our struggles, our temptations, our suffering, in order for God to fully identify with us. Jesus became one of us. He was made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. High priest, the one who stands between us and God, who mediates between us and God. Because he suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help us When we're being tempted as our high priest, he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And so again, we hold firmly to the faith we profess. We approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We submit to the Spirit of God so that faithfulness grows in our lives and so that we pour out faithfulness as we engage in other people's lives as well. Think about Jesus for a moment, and we've tried to do some of this every Sunday throughout this series. We see the faithfulness of Jesus in in so many ways, but we obviously see the faithfulness of Jesus at both the beginning and the end of his ministry. The Gospel of Matthew, after Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist, Matthew tells us, and then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The first of three temptations in that temptation story. 
And you know the story well enough to know that Jesus roots each of his responses in Scripture. It is written. But did you notice how the devil, how the tempter begins? If you are the Son of God, as if to ask, are you really who you claim to be? With maybe the tempter approaching us in the same way. If you are a Christian, as if to ask, are you really who you claim to be? Jesus said no to each of those temptations. He was faithful to the mission of God at the beginning of his ministry. He was faithful to the mission of God throughout his life and ministry. And as he died on the cross, some of the last words he uttered were the words, the phrase, it is finished. I've honored the mission that you sent me to accomplish. It is finished. Debt has been paid. Debt has been canceled. Jesus was faithful to the very end. And true to the promises of God, back to the definition of gospel, God raised Jesus from the dead. The good news is that God has been faithful to his promises in the work of Jesus. But likewise, at the heart of the good news is that Jesus was faithful to the mission of God, faithful in his life and ministry, faithful to the very end. And while the two moments I've mentioned are very, very, very significant moments, the temptation seen at the beginning of his ministry and his death on the cross at the close, while those are two very significant moments in his life and ministry, it doesn't take long as we read the Gospels to discover that Jesus was faithful to the mission of God moment by moment, day by day, as he interacted with people, as he showed love and devotion to God in the ways that he demonstrated love and devotion and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness to the people that he ministered to. By being present with people, walking alongside people, serving and loving those who were often ignored and rejected by others. And it's the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of Jesus that invite us to be faithful, to be submissive to the Spirit of God, to not quench the work of the Spirit so that the Spirit may grow faithfulness in our lives and so that we might pour out that faithfulness. To be faithful to God when we face temptation. When the devil comes to us saying, if you're a Christian, as if to ask, are you really who you claim to be? When the devil comes to us with temptation after temptation to see, if you will, the sharp contrast in that primary text from Galatians 5 we're working with, to see the sharp contrast between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we are tempted by sexual immorality, the first work of the flesh that Paul identifies and sexual temptation is all around us in today's culture, when we are tempted to submit to the Spirit of God so that we might not only embrace, but that we might pour out faithfulness and self-control. When we are tempted by idolatry, the temptation to make money or jobs or people or politics or even religion, the goal of our lives, the God of our lives. When we are tempted by selfishness or jealousy to submit to the Spirit of God so that faithfulness might grow in our lives and we might pour out faithfulness in the promises we've made to God, when we are tempted to speak evil of others, to spread rumors, to gossip, to promote division, to submit to the Spirit of God so that we might pour out kindness and gentleness and patience and love. 
I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word faithfulness. We've talked about several words that are closely connected with faithfulness. The word faith, the idea of endurance, the idea of dependability, the idea of keeping your promises. But let me take it a step further, and I want you to hear me clearly. The bottom line when we talk about faithfulness, and this is true for every quality of the fruit of the Spirit, the bottom line is we are talking about relationship. Yes, our relationship with God, and so the call to be faithful to God, to trust God, to say yes to God, to say no to temptation, but faithfulness also has to do with our relationships with one another, with others. We're called to be faithful to one another, to walk alongside one another, to trust one another, to think the best of one another. Again, this close connection between the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. And so when Paul is describing love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I want you to think about the power of those words for a moment. When we love one another, we are faithful to one another. When no one else protects you, you can count on me. When everyone else doubts you, I'm going to think the best of you. When everyone else gives up on you or writes you off, I'm going to hang in there with you. When you give in to sin again and again and again, I'm going to continue walking with you, nudging you toward Jesus, praying for you, not giving up on you. By the way, no one ever said loving the way Christ loved was going to be easy. No, <clears throat> no one ever said being faithful the way Christ was faithful would be easy. That's again why we've said throughout this series, it's not about us manufacturing or growing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It is all about us being submissive, letting go, surrendering, creating space so that the Spirit might grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives day by day, step by step, progressively growing to be more and more like Jesus. Fred Craddock, one of my favorite preachers of all time, this little five-foot-four guy with a squeaky voice who within a minute or two would command the attention of the audience he was preaching to. He made a presentation to a group of ministers a number of years ago where I believe he captured the practical implications of what faithfulness and love are all about. He said it this way, to give my life to Christ appears glorious. And I would pause there for a moment because to give our lives to Christ is indeed glorious. But listen to how he continued. He said, to give my life to Christ appears glorious, to pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But he says the reality for most of us is that God sends us to the bank and has us cash in that $1,000 bill for quarters. And so we go through life serving faithfully day by day, a 25-cent act of faithfulness there. 
a 50-cent act of faithfulness there. Listen to the neighbor kid's troubles instead of saying to the kid, get lost. Go to a committee meeting. Give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious, Craddock says. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It'd be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. As I reflect on his statement, I suspect that we all could multiply a thousand times over examples of those little acts of love and faithfulness that Craddock mentioned. Sending a note of encouragement, teaching a Bible class, lovingly walking with someone as they struggle with sin and not giving up on them, serving a meal at St. Benedict's, making a hospital visit, going on a mission trip, taking someone to a doctor's appointment, praying for and comforting those who are grieving, honoring your marriage vows day after day in the good times and in the tough times, loving your children, honoring your parents. But, and hear me carefully, it's more than creating a list of things to do because if we spend enough time, we could come up with a thousand and one good, faithful things to do. But it's more than creating a list. It is surrendering ourselves so that we are available. So that we are available. It's being submissive to the Spirit of God when the Spirit interrupts our lives or when people or circumstances interrupt our lives. It's being submissive to the Spirit of God even when the Spirit leads us into the wilderness, even when we face temptation, even when relationships are challenging. It's being faithful when the easiest course of action is to not be faithful. It's being dependable when it's easier to walk away. It's all about pouring out faithfulness many times 25 cents at a time. Can I remind us again of a God who could have given up on humanity when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? A God who could have given up on humanity when Cain murdered his brother Abel? A God who could have given up on humanity during the time of Noah and the flood? Who could have given up on humanity at the Tower of Babel? May I remind us of a God who could have given up on us when we gave in to temptation, to the works of the flesh, when we gave in to sexual immorality, when we gave in to idolatry, when we gave in to divisive attitudes, when we gave in to envy. Can I remind us of a God who lovingly, patiently, kindly, faithfully walks with us in those 25-cent moments, in those 50-cent moments? May I remind you of the words of Scripture that prompted the words of that great song we'll sing in a bit from Lamentations chapter 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Words that were spoken by the prophet in the midst of some of the most difficult times imaginable for the people of Israel, away in captivity, lamenting, lamenting where they are. And yet the prophet says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's faithfulness is poured out every day. His compassion, 
His mercies are new every day, sometimes in $1,000 ways. But many times that faithfulness comes in little ways as well, 25 cents at a time, 50 cents at a time. New mercies, new blessings, day after day. Here's how we're going to close today. There are two tables here at the front. There are two tables at the back. And there are quarters spread out on those tables. As we sing together in just a moment, let me invite you to make your way to one of those tables and to pick up one of those quarters, not two, not five, just one, to pick up one of those quarters, not to spend, but to carry with you or to put somewhere to remind you, to remind you of God's faithfulness in your life and to challenge you to submit to the Spirit so that the Spirit might grow faithfulness in your life and so that you might pour out faithfulness in the lives of others, sometimes in 25-cent ways, sometimes in 50-cent ways, to create space in our lives, to truly allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow and to be poured out. And we'll allow the songs that we're going to sing together to lead us to a time of communion where we are reminded every Sunday of God's faithfulness toward us. And so let's stand together as we sing. And please feel free to begin making your way to those tables.